Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles. And today, Final Cut Pro and Logic Pro 10 officially announced coming to iPad May 23rd. We're going to get into it. iOS 16.5 coming next week. Some physical models of the iPhone 15. And Google had their big I.O. event, and they mentioned AI 5 million times. And so we want to talk about that as well. This episode is brought to you by our good friends at Headspace. And joining me, once again, my friend Wes Hilliard. How's it going, Wes? Okay, Stephen. You might hear a little uh, fun noise in my voice this week, but I'll be okay. <laughs> Okay. Very good. It's called a podcaster's voice. Uh, I've, been, yes. I've been doing it too too often. I don't know how you get away with it. And, uh, but we have big, huge news to talk about. My goodness, you would think this would have been a WWDC announcement, but no. In a press release, Apple says, "Hey, Final Cut Pro and Logic Pro 10 coming to iPad." We're going to get into all the details before we do some quick five star review shoutouts because we had a bunch. And I want to thank you all uh, who listen and rate the show and everything because last week's episode actually hit top twenty of episodes in Apple Podcasts in the technology category. And that was, uh, I mean, breaking the top 20 here in the U.S., that's a, that's a big deal. So thank you all. That's yeah, very cool. That's awesome. Very fun. So Gabrielle Carroll, 88, from Great Britain, he says hello to William. Finn Carroll, I wonder if they're related. Also from Great Britain, or they said we're his favorite podcast. Thank you very much. Luca W12345 from Australia, from Down Under, and iHeart Apple Products from the USA. That is their name. And finally, Der Gravelny from Germany. I apologize. I probably butchered that name, but lots of international listeners this week. Thanks for that. Very cool. So Apple Final Cut Pro in a press release said it is coming May 23rd to iPad. You'll need an M1 iPad or newer to run Final Cut, which means M1 iPad Air or M1 iPad Pro or M2 iPad Pro. Logic Pro 10, you can run with an A15 Bionic or newer. So there's a few more devices that can run Logic. This is a subscription product. This is actually Apple's, correct me if I'm wrong, Wes, but the first software subscription besides like iCloud, like for an app. I don't know. The first Apple app. Fitness Plus. I, I mean, services, yeah, but this is like the first app. Yeah. This, I think this is the first app that's a subscription. For sure. Um, yeah, because you, you could buy certain things from Apple. I mean, especially these apps on the Mac, they're still there. They're still $300. Yeah. But this is, uh, isn't going to change that, I don't believe. We can get into that. But this this being a subscription model for uh, iPadOS is interesting. It's interesting. $5 a month for each app, $50 per year. You save a little doing the year. Uh, remains to be seen. I'm curious if this will be shareable via iCloud family. So one person has the subscription and can up to five people use it? Absolutely. No, I mean, I don't, this isn't confirmed, but I mean, it would be very strange if it wasn't this, okay. I think, I think Apple's trying to encourage volume of uh, sales here and they're not, they're not going to penny pinch on this one. I do think this is a big play trying to compete with the likes of CapCut and other apps that I feel like have come to popularity with the rise of TikTok and vertical video. And Apple does not have a good option for that really on iPad. I only know this because my kids I've actually <laughs> employed to make some of my long form videos into vertical. And it's actually really hard on iPad because iMovie doesn't let you crop a vertical video from a 16 by nine. It has to start vertical if you want to do that. And there's not really other options from, you could do the Clips app maybe, but. Uh, LumaFusion is pretty powerful. LumaFusion can, yeah. I think it's like a $20 purchase and then you can get multicam uh, editing for an in-app purchase of like 20 or $30. So right. it, it costs a little bit of money, but um, it's one payment up front. This subscription thing, of course, just like every other subscription app has created a uh, conversation. Um, people are not happy that they have to pay a subscription for this, but I think it's a, a good move because if this came out and even if it was uh, a different purchase, it, if it was like a hundred dollars, people wouldn't want to pay that for any app on an iPad. It would be a lot harder of a sell. Yeah. And I think it is geared towards like a more prosumer level. I think people who are making video content for social media, this is a much easier sell to say, you know, try it for a month, which you can get a month for free if you do one of the subscriptions. And then if you want to pay for a couple months and then stop paying or only pay for it when you're traveling because you don't want to bring your MacBook Pro. This kind of model lends itself to that. I am curious, we don't have to talk about this too much, but whether or not subscription is going to come to the Mac, I did see several people on social media saying, if Apple is going to do a subscription model for software like this, then they need to ship features more often. I was actually on MacBreak Weekly earlier this week, and Alex Lindsay, who really works in the pro field when it comes to video production, he was saying like DaVinci Resolve and Adobe Premiere, like they've been shipping features a lot. And Final Cut has been pretty quiet on the Mac when it comes to new features. Now this Final Cut on iPad, which we'll get into in a second, a lot of new features coming to this iPad version, 
that are not present in the Mac version. Yeah, they're specific to um, iPad. They're specific to iPad, but would be very welcome. One of the features is called Auto Crop. And so as I was talking about vertical video before, one of the features, you could see it on Apple's landing page for Final Cut Pro, you can take a 16 by nine video, run this auto crop feature, and it will stay focused on the subject of the video, follow it around and crop it into a nine by 16 vertical video. An incredible feature that I would love to have for Final Cut on the Mac. If Apple added features like that continually and iterated a little faster on the Mac version, I might be inclined to pay subscription. I don't want to, <laughs> to be clear. I love that I've purchased Final Cut once and I never have to again. But I could also totally see Apple saying, this is now Final Cut 11 or the new Final Cut. And you can keep using Final Cut 10 for the $300 you paid. You'll still get like security or minor bug fix updates. But if you want new features, now we have a subscription model. I can see that happening. The problem is, is you can't really expect. I mean, I know this is how we used to do things, but it's been proven to be broken. You can't pay $300 for an app once and expect it to work for eight years. It's just not how it works anymore. Uh, systems are too complex. Mac OS is getting updated too often. Things change quickly. The whole point of a subscription is to allow for further development, you know, pay more people to be working on the project is these are different apps. Uh, these are not the Mac apps. They're different in a lot of ways. Logic is closer to the Mac app experience and projects can move back and forth more freely. But I've been looking into this and a uh, final cut is not going to be that way. There's right. there's too much difference. You can send a project from final cut on iPad to the Mac, but you cannot send it backwards. Right, there's, exactly. there's, there's too much difference. There's too much complexity in the Mac version. And that could change with time. This is a right. first version app. They look good for first version apps. Nice and dense. Lots of tools. Yeah. I am curious. One thing I could not find on the landing page and I'm unsure about is whether or not you'll be able to keep footage on an external drive. Let's say a Thunderbolt SSD external drive and edit that in Final Cut on the iPad. That is something that LumaFusion offers. You can do that. Yeah, there's no reason why not. I mean, that's just a file system feature. I mean, I would be surprised if that was somehow, they would have to specifically target that and remove it. Like that's just part of this file system. Um, again, I'm hopeful that it will be available. But some of the other unique features, like you were saying, the live draw feature, and this makes sense because this is really- It's a very TikTok feature. A very TikTok feature. This is very much an Apple Pencil feature is where you can literally draw on your video footage, maybe lines, maybe it's text, and Final Cut Pro on iPad will automatically animate what you've drawn on there in a very visually uh, appealing way. Any other company, and I've said this on some other shows this week, any other company with these kinds of features, the live draw, the auto crop, they would call them AI features. They would say this is like AI powered features and Apple is not doing that. Absolutely. Apple is saying auto crop, intelligently adjust your footage, all this kind of stuff. Because well, the word AI has lost all meaning, and we'll get into that later. I mean, it's it, it, it <laughs> yes. was bad before, but I mean, after Google I/O, it's it's just ground into the dirt. It's meaningless. It has there's it's worthless. And Apple's definitely going to be avoiding that buzzword going forward. Absolutely, I agree. And and I do want to get into some of the AI talk in regards to Google I/O and what Apple might do. Right. But it feels like I'm just going to call them AI features for now on the Final Cut Pro for iPad, I could see a world where your $300 copy of Final Cut for Mac continues to operate, maybe get some feature updates. But if you want the AI features, or if you want this like social feature pack, like auto crop and live draw, 100% could also see a subscription in app purchase for the Mac version. I, I don't think it's even that complicated. I think right now, if, if you pretty much operate just from an iPad, you're good with the subscription. You're not worried about what's on the Mac. True. If you're operating from both, or if you want to be mobile iPad, home desktop Mac, there's options to purchase the desktop and subscribe on the iPad. That's where we are now. Now, I do believe that in the future, um, as these apps get parity, and especially once you can have fully mobile projects between the iPad and the Mac mm. on uh, Final Cut Pro, I expect that's when the subscription will shift and it'll be a one-time universal payment. Now, they mm. could do like setup and charge a separate price and say, give us $10 more per month for the Mac package and you'll get access to Final Cut Pro on the iPad and the Mac. And I, I, I think that's where we're going. It may be not, you know, this year, but it will eventually get there. I am very curious how precision editing is going to go on Final Cut on the iPad. There are some unique tools that Apple is showing off, like this jog wheel for precise scrubbing back and forth. Obviously, you'll be able to use the Apple Pencil. 
hover features for Apple Pencil. I'm very curious how that's going to play into it. And as any listener of this show who has listened for one week or more, you know that I edit the podcast on iPad in Ferrite with Apple Pencil and prefer that over any other audio editing software on the Mac. I would argue that Ferrite will still be the better option for now, even with Logic on oh, iPad. Oh, yeah. I, I have no desire to... I mean, I'm going to try Logic, and I think my kids who use GarageBand to make tracks and stuff like that will probably love Logic and the additional tools and sounds and doing stuff with the Apple Pencil. I think that'll be great for them. For me, still going to be using Ferrite, but I'm curious what my experience will be editing in Final Cut on iPad when it comes to that precise control, because I feel more precise on iPad and Ferrite with Apple Pencil editing audio. I know that is not the case for most people, but I do. And I'm curious with this jog wheel and the Apple Pencil functionality and Final Cut on iPad, if I will actually find I edit faster somehow. Because you can even do multicam editing. That's one of the big features on the landing page. You can do multicam clips and you have the angle editor. And I mean, a lot of my big feature use cases that I use Final Cut on the desktop for, this will have the ability. Like I could do it all. Final Cut and Logic both actually are very in-depth apps. They're very powerful oh, yeah. apps on the desktop. There's You can just dig in and there's so much uh, you can do there. They're much smaller scale on the iPad, but you have to think smaller scale in what way. For most people, everything you need is probably there. Yeah. The one thing I've heard is people concerned, like what about plugins? Well, fun fact, Apple's always supported plugin implementation on iPadOS. Not always, but at least within the last few years. And yeah. there's this, um, I, I forget the name for it, it's like Apple plugin or something like that. And people do support that. So some companies uh, that make logic specific tools on Mac actually can port those to iPad yeah. with relative ease. Some companies just ignore the fact that iPad exists. So we probably won't see <laughs> everything come over, but. And on the final cut page, the Apple says explicitly third-party content coming soon, meaning plugins from motion VFX, like lower thirds, animations, transitions, it seems like that will also be available on iPad, those third-party plugins, which would be amazing. And for Motion VFX, I mean, I could totally imagine you could buy $100, get the Final Cut Pro Motion Pack from Motion VFX for Mac, or for $150, you can get for Mac and Final Cut on iPad. And I'm sure they would love that. I'll, I'll give you one better. Apple will just have uh, the plugin system that they use for photos for Final Cut and Logic. Yeah. Just have completely separate third-party apps come in and say, hey, here's our plugin tool. Here's yeah. a drum kit. Here's a whole app built with just noise sequencers or whatever. There's also incredible tools like Scene Removal Mask, which will basically make any video a green screen. You've seen this on TikTok and other social media, like built-in filters. Final Cut on iPad will have that different than just a keyer. You know, a keyer will need a solid color or some kind of background to key out. Scene removal mask is basically remove background like you have right now in photos, but for video. And it looks to do a pretty good it's, job. It's AI, Stephen. It's AI. AI background oh, feature. <laughs> I also think it's interesting. Apple really has a whole section on their landing page talking about filming with iPad. Again, whether or not you actually want to do that, but you can film in ProRes 4K video on iPad. Oh, yeah. They're good little cameras. I mean, you're not you don't have any zoom and depth of field doesn't exist, but they're good cameras for just hey, yeah, put this yeah. on a tripod and point it in a direction. And what's interesting is if you film what seems like in Final Cut on the iPad, you get a bunch of manual controls that are not available in the stock camera app, such as white balance control, audio monitoring levels. And just a bunch of stuff that, man, I would love this on the iPhone. Right. Uh, you know, it'd be great if they brought things like white balance or audio monitoring and some kind of like pro app, which this is not available for iPhone right now. And there's not been a word about whether it's going to come to the iPhone. I am hoping one day it will. Well, I mean, you can always download Filmic Pro. Um, yeah. That, that app is pretty excellent. So that's the, that's the other thing people are asking, you know, what, what does this mean for Sherlocking this year? Well, uh, LumaFusion, Filmic, a lot of those drum beat tools on iPad, those could easily get sucked up by this. Uh, but also, yeah. this is also an opportunity for other major third-party pro apps to come to iPad and say, look, we can do this too. Yeah. Even with Logic on iPad, it's it's funny that this is it's taken this long to come to iPad when... Um, the Gorillas uh, famously right. made an entire album on iPad <laughs> in like 2012. Right. It was it's it's madness, but they did yeah. that. Um, 
it wasn't a very good album. Let me say, it, you know, it wasn't it wasn't my favorite <laughs> Gorillaz album. Sure, but um, it was it was a it was a good considering that they made it entirely on an iPad was you know crazy back then, and it's yeah. like all right, here we are, like a decade later. Final note on this: uh, I, I do wonder what this means for iPad OS seventeen. Mm-hmm. I've, I've heard a lot of chatter mm-hmm. around multi audio inputs outputs that type of control, and these apps do require sixteen dot four, so they they need a right now version of right. iOS, iPadOS to run, meaning that they're tied very deeply to different like settings in the system they needed to be optimized to run. So uh, I expect these apps coming out now, they're going to be a fun beta period for the um, app creators to get their footing. But the real true nature of these apps will probably be expanded with iPadOS 17. Yeah, I'm also curious, under the monitor section on the Final Cut Pro landing page, it talks about audio levels again, including for external microphones. And I feel like this is maybe the first time Apple has acknowledged that you might want to use external microphones with your iOS or iPadOS device, and that monitoring levels when you film on iPad will reflect that external microphone volume. And I think this I'm hopeful, like you were saying, maybe iPad OS 17, they'll introduce more of that audio control input output because I mean, if they're monitoring external microphones, because right now it's like a, it's a black box. You know, if you plug in a wire, a external microphone, either to iPad or iPhone, and you just open the camera app, you have no idea. Like, is this using the external microphone? What are the levels? Can I tap the microphone to see if it's beginning pulled in and this is solves that i hate everything about audio on ipad right now i mean you can't control <laughs> outputs so yeah. if i have a dock you know there's there's these docks you can buy that even they they work over thunderbolt and USB-C yeah. with like 32 ports on it right if i plug in beats pill plus for example to mm-hmm. the headphone jack and then one of the USB-C ports is my audio technica microphone that i'm recording from guess what the audio technica microphone will take over as the headphone source yes yes <laughs> right and i can't do anything about it i can't say no i want audio output from this silly speaker that i have connected or this separate set of headphones or this different like there's just there's nothing it yeah. once the ipad chooses what it's going to default to that's it yep and of course you can switch to bluetooth or airplay but i'm talking about physical wired up things if you connect three headphones and three microphones the ipad will pick one and pretend the others don't exist it's crazy yeah and for what i do with like remote recording and different devices it is extremely frustrating and if you want to do it with an iphone my goodness you have to have a lightning headphone adapter then you have to have a splitter that takes that trrs connector which is the three black line headphone connector split that into a microphone and headphone <laughs> splitter and then attach a wired mic to one. It's just a mess. So yeah, I mean, one of these days, like, I mean, I, I still have the ambition to go back to iPad only. I mean, this may not be this generation. It may be a while, but it could be. Though. There, there's literally only like a checklist of like four things that I need at this point to really say, all right, Mac, I'm good. One of them's uh, Pixelmator Pro. Come on, guys, oh, make yeah, an iPad yeah. version of that app. That's such a perfect photo editor. But yeah, audio controls would be a huge step, especially for podcasters. Imagine if you could just throw down like an iPad mini and a microphone and record from anywhere. Like, that would be really cool. It'd be amazing. Yeah. So Tuesday, May 23rd, Final Cut Pro and Logic Pro 10 will be available $5 a month, $50 a year for each. And you can download M1 iPads and newer and then A15 Bionic and newer for Logic Pro 10. One final footnote on this. Steven, do you have do you have a um you you have one of those what is it called? Elgato Stream Decks and I do. You can hit a button and it just starts playing taps, right? <laughs> yes. Uh <laughs> yes, yes. So what Wes is alluding to, literally last week on this episode, Wes and I, we covered this rumor from Analyst 941, which was a curious leaker who came out of nowhere dropping tons of leaks. He was saying Final Cut Pro was coming to iPad, but in 2024, a year from now, once this press release came out that Apple was releasing it in just a couple weeks, he basically closed his Twitter account and he, I think, stated some explanation on the Mac Rumors forum. Yes, he posted a goodbye letter on Mac Rumors. To Wes, to your credit, you know, the skepticism approaching a leaker like this dropping so much. I think the story that he told is that the inf- he had a relative, possibly a sister working at Apple, feeding him this information. And I-, I don't know how solid this information is, but maybe sometimes Apple will release 
faulty information to try and out leakers within the company. And this analyst 941 seems to be saying this whole Final Cut coming in 2024 was a specific piece of information that Apple was like feeding internally that was false, but was trying to fish out a leaker. And that is why this happened. And that's why he got it wrong or something like that. And we don't have to go, you know, want to hear what you have to say, but basically he seems to have disappeared and will not be continuing leaks. So this, this it's a complicated story and it's, as I've said before, so I, n- I never wanted to come out and just call this guy a liar or, or anything or, or this person or, or say that, um, that they're, they're making stuff up. Uh, it, they could have had a bad source. It was apparently open knowledge somewhere. Cause our, someone posted like the, their brother or sister works at Apple or whatever. I didn't know this previously. So apparently their source was a relative at Apple. Okay. Look, I'm not naive. I would have to assume that, yeah, Apple employees are very secretive and they're very good at keeping secrets, but I'm sure there are things that they're like, yeah, we're, we're doing this, but you can't tell anyone. And their family probably respects that. And there's probably conversations like that that happen. That's fine. You know, it's uh, it's the whole loose lips sink ships <laughs> uh, philosophy, <laughs> yeah. right? But this does not seem like that. This is not, uh, this has never seemed like a situation where someone was doling out secret information little bits at a time. This is a floodgate. Yeah. And I, I just want to reiterate a couple of things. The only reason why this leaker ever got any attention is because last year they managed to come in and predict that the privacy dots would be inside of the not yet called dynamic island but that's what it would soon be and that's after we knew that from i think mark german Mm -hmm. a software style covering would uh obscure the pill and hole punch I've always argued that this person was just a really good guesser. They could take information, collaborate maybe with their friends or on forums. I spent a lot of time at Apple Insider examining these leakers and uh, as they come in, because we get a lot, (laughs) we don't cover most of them because most of them are just making stuff up. One of the tactics that these people use and that this one might have used is they search uh, Weibo. Uh, and Chinese forums for just little bits of data. And that notification dot thing could have easily come from them. I don't know. Again, I'm not really accusing him of anything. I'm just saying how this could have worked. Yeah. So they got a name on the scene. Long story short, so long, Analyst941. Um, erase every leak that that person has ever said from your memory because it's probably yeah. not going to happen. WWDC's right around the corner. I'm excited for the prospects that we have based on the information yeah. we already had. Maybe take this as a sign that we should be yes. extra cautious, especially when someone is online claiming to know so much about everything. Grains of salt. Just everything. Grains of salt everywhere. This episode is brought to you by Headspace. I'll be honest, for a long time, I was pretty skeptical about mindfulness and meditation practices and all that, and I really avoided it. I didn't want to try it. But as we went through the pandemic and we experienced some mental health issues within my family, trying to find good resources that can actually help us understand what we were going through and actually work through it, I found Headspace. Headspace has been an incredible resource that really helps, especially if you're a beginner. You've never done mindfulness or meditation before. Headspace will walk you through the entire process from the very beginning really holding your hand and leading you into what could really improve your mental health and well-being. Through guided meditations, mindfulness practices, breathing and calming exercises, and so much more, Headspace can help you reduce stress, boost your mood, and help you sleep better too. Headspace combines scientifically proven benefits of meditation and mindfulness with modern practices through their experienced meditation teachers. And what I really like about Headspace is you can do it in just like three minutes or less. They even have one minute sections. If you really just only have 60 seconds, Headspace has something for you. And I've really appreciated their resources on things like anxiety, fear of flying. If you just need like an SOS, you're just super stressed and overwhelmed and you need something just to take the edge off, Headspace can help you with that too. Headspace has the largest library of content with over 1,000 hours of clinically proven mindfulness exercises. And again, their resource and anxiety, I've done multiple times, share those ideas with friends and family, and it has not only helped me, but helped those that I share with. Headspace has helped me and more than 100 million people worldwide, and they can help you too. So listen, you don't want to miss this. They've arranged something special for a limited time. You can all try Headspace completely for free for 60 days by going to headspace.com slash appleinsider60. That's two full months of Headspace for free. You won't find this offer anywhere else. And you have to use our link, Headspace, H-E-A-D-S-P-A-C-E dot com slash Apple Insider 6060 to unlock all of Headspace free for 60 days. And this is not something they normally do. Typically it was 30 days. Now it is 60 days. This link will also be in the show notes. You can just click it there. Headspace.com slash Apple Insider 60. Our thanks to Headspace for sponsoring this episode.
All right, let's go through a bunch of little news bits, and then I want to get to some Google I.O. talk. iOS 16.5 and all the updates across macOS and all that should be released next week. We had the release candidate earlier this week. Hopefully bug fixes. I'm just hoping for lots of bug fixes everywhere. The only major update you might see is a sports tab in the news app. There is an update to Matter and Thread in iOS. Basically, we talk a lot about this on HomeKit Insider. Special guest Jennifer Tui comes on actually on Monday's episode from The Verge, and we talk more in depth about that update. But it's a back-end thing. HomeKit users and iPhone users are not really going to notice that. But 16.5, look for that next week for sure. Yeah, I saw some people speculating that. So there's another executive that left Apple this week. Uh, he's related to Apple TV Plus acquisitions, and he was one of the guys heading the sports uh, push people were like oh now apple's gonna give up on sports and close mls deals and all that it's like no i don't think one guy was behind that no, no. the fact that there's a sports tab in news i think is interesting it just shows that they're committed to it but we'll we'll see what wwdc looks like in terms of of, of sports deals moving forward but do you think we'll get a 16.6 over the summer i mean it's a long time to go without it i think maybe in august 16.6 right i could see that Nothing, no, no features or anything. It would just be more bug fixes. There's lots of bugs to fix. Like Listen, a bug fix. Screen time. I'm going to keep beating that drum. Please. <laughs> screen time fixes. Please, I beg of you. Uh, iPhone 15, there's some physical models. This happens kind of every year now where there's these physical models, basically, of the iPhone 15. They're not actual phones. They're just like these slabs of slabs steel. Of, yeah, slabs of steel that, but they have been pretty accurate the last couple of years. It actually revealed the iPhone 14 plus the larger size for the non-pro models. These showed that last summer before the announcement. So we have iPhone 15 models now, not a ton different. The edges are curvier, the more curved edges. Can't really tell anything with the bezel because it doesn't distinguish like what the screen is from what the body is. The camera bumps is more protruding, more pronounced. So more camera as has every year of the iPhone has, has seen. And that's kind of all it tells us in USB-C, uh, which is the big, another big change. Yeah. Uh, Shrimp actually uh, tweeted yesterday. Someone asked is, you know, can you confirm USB-C on iPhone and uh, Shrimp Apple Pro just was like 10,000%. They can't, there's no going back now. Like we're getting USB-C. Don't worry about it. I am hoping that on the pro models, that USB-C port is also a Thunderbolt port and could also get footage and transfer files way faster from the iPhone to a Mac? Only if you buy Apple's $130 Thunderbolt Listen, cable. don't even. Don't even. <laughs> but, you know, when it comes to charging, I, I spoke about this on one of the shows this week, but I've probably plugged a lightning cable into my iPhone twice the entire time I've had the 14 Pro. I, I charged them. Just by accident. <laughs> yeah, it just fell just perfectly in a certain way where the lightning cable slipped in there. William seems to accidentally do a lot of things like that, so I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, he accidentally installs betas. He accidentally buys an iPads. I don't even know. Yeah. But, you know, I charge MagSafe in the car, at the bedside, even here in my studio at the desk. I have an Anchor MagSafe charger. Like, I charge MagSafe everywhere. So, you know, we, we're now at a point where what I really want is USB-C maybe on a pair of AirPods Maxes. But honestly, I'm, I'm good with MagSafe. I do everything MagSafe and yeah, it's good. I'm still over here holding my credit card ready for when AirPods Max get updated with nothing new except for USB-C USB port. I would love a MagSafe. I would love a MagSafe style charging for AirPods Max too. Just yeah, lay it on the puck like the the, Air, the AirPods full flat. I don't know. It's, it's Apple figure out something. Make make charging AirPods Max as seamless as everything else. Well, and I, I actually I did a video for the Max Stand, which is an accessory you can get right now, and it basically comes with a little lightning dongle. You plug in this lightning dongle to the AirPods Max and you can just leave it in there. And then it has this tiny little base and it's organized. Those are fine. Magnets are cool. It's arranged in such yeah. a way. But I mean, if if that could be done with a tiny little base and it holds the AirPods Max upright with that dongle, surely there could be some kind of MagSafe option. I mean. Ma magnets everywhere. Yeah, magnets everywhere. Smart yeah, connector. Yeah, smart connector. Oh my goodness. We'll talk about that too with the whole uh, Pixel tablet and the stand. But yeah. Will you be buying... Beats Studio Pro headphones. I don't buy any Beats anything. Oh, you, is, it, is it sour to your uh, classical ear? No, no. I just, I don't, like my AirPods Pro 2 are so good. And my, I have my old AirPods Max. I have no desire. So, But for your kids or your wife, like you're not going to buy the whole family AirPods Max at 550 no, no, no. each. Would no. you consider, you know, maybe a $300 over ear headphone? No, the kids get AirPods 3. There you go. I did that last year. And my wife got also the AirPods Pro 2 and she loves those. Yeah, call it a day. 
You just rummage through the desk drawer and find whatever garbage falls out and then hand it I w- to them. Listen, I will be honest. Like In the past year and a half, I've been different companies have sent me products to review. There's a Bayer Dynamic Freebird wireless earbuds. I give that to one of my kids and they enjoy that. Right, and, but right. AirPods Pro are still preferred over that. And I haven't had like the Sony XM4s or 5s come to me, although I'd, I'm very curious to try them. And one, they have USB-C, but I've heard that uh, people prefer those, even who have the AirPods Max and the Sony XM4s and 5s. They like the Sonys, so I'm curious how they sound. I'm just curious what Apple does next. I mean, I joke about uh, AirPods Max, but I, I, I expect the next model, it's not going to be a color refresh. Like, we're going to get something. So something, imagine yeah. 2X improved ANC and that improved transparency mode plus better audio and USB-C. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah, At yeah. the same price. Yeah, I mean, it hurts the wallet a little bit, but hey, I'll see. I- I'm 50-50 whether or not I'll actually buy it. I don't know. What if you could do lossless over I the cable? I don't know if I would even... What I would need is zero latency over the cable because even now yeah. I have the headphone lightning cable. I'll use it with my audio interface that I'm using right now to record. And there's there's enough latency where it sounds weird. Like it sounds like a very, very slight echo. I'm Well, I'm using my AirPods Max right now and I can't hear anything because I might as well be deaf. But, but... you're using it wirelessly, right? Oh, no, no. no oh, it's plugged no, in. No, no, no. I'm... I'm lightning to audio jack oh, that's through right. the that's microphone right. that okay. I'm talking into. Yeah. But you, but it's fine. I mean, listen, it's fine. It's to, and I've done it. Like when traveling, I'll use it. It's mil, It's yeah. It's milliseconds. If you didn't know, Apple. I don't know why they did it this way. I guess because they really wanted it to be a digital headset. Is it's digital signal through the converter twice yes. basically the headphones so like the the analog audio from the headphone jack because that, that's still headphone right. jacks analog yes. right goes up the wire to the lightning well the lightning has a digital right. audio converter uh to con- to convert it to digital yes uh to the headphone well when the headphone gets that digital audio <laughs> i think it goes through another DAC. yeah in order to go through it's it's such a weird process it's too many it's too many conversion it's it's unnecessary and and that's one of the reasons why i actually had a cheap pair of sony over the ear headphones a few years ago and even if the battery was dead you can plug a physical eighth inch headphone jack from an interface to the headphones and use them. There's a word for that. It's like a power, yeah, powered through the. Yeah, it's just a, a dumb pair of headphones, but you can't do that with AirPods Max. If your battery is 0%, like the AirPods Max will not work with the cable. I was going to make a joke about sound powered headphones, but only three oh, people would understand it. it. Yeah. Moving yeah. on. It's, it, oh, okay, it's a military okay. thing. It's, if, you, if you've never talked through sound powered headphones, it is oh, an experience. Okay. I don't know. So from 19. 19- 42. Okay, very very cool. Uh, Apple Watch, <laughs> the next series, which will be Series 9 this fall, rumored that will come with a new chip. I would say, yeah, about time. The Apple Watch has basically been powered by the same chip from the Series 6, Series 6, 7, and 8. It's really been the same chip. It'll still be a SIP system yes. in package, but the central processing unit the actual right. cpu will be an upgraded model because yeah the sip number has increased at you know s6 right. s7 s8 the number has increased because they're adding all of those little gyroscopes and sensors and all the things that make crash detection work that's the only that is the only reason we went from s7 to s8 right. last year right. uh, is those sensors so this year going to s9 we're actually getting a new cpu which will increase the clock speed yeah. ever so slightly to make this make a safari that much springier so but also help with battery life you know the faster the processor the less it has to chug along for tasks so sip i believe is built on like the a14 no it's the a13 package i think so even just moving up one level to the a14 package uh, will greatly increase efficiency so we'll see shazam which Apple acquired a number of years ago, will now actually support Apple Music classical links. So if you are using Shazam and there's a classical work playing in the air and you try to identify the song, Shazam will actually now give you a link to Apple Music classical directly if you'd like to open it in that app as opposed to the regular Apple Music app. And I do want to say, I feel like Apple is doing just a blitz of marketing for Apple Music Classical. I see Twitter ads and TikTok ads. Like I see ads for Apple Music Classical everywhere. So they are really pushing it hard. And whoever's running the Apple Music Classical social media, at least on Twitter, I mean, they're all the time, they're asking fun questions like, what's your favorite movie score and all this kind of stuff. So kudos to Apple for at least, you know, giving this a solid go. Like they are putting everything behind it, at least for a time. 
Stephen, uh, in the in the words of the Little Mermaid, I want to be part of your world. Um, <laughs> That's good. Do I move to Boston and wear a fedora and just start attending right. concerts? Like what? I I always see people saying like you, you know you have no idea what classical music is and you know do I have to like start watching Drops of God on Apple TV Plus and sipping That's, wine? That's silly. No, like have a neck scarf, like an infinity scarf. I think the best thing is like have permission to not like a bunch of it because even me as a classical music fan like there's a bunch i'm not going to listen to even for fun and even if i go to a concert there might be one specific work that i'm looking forward to and the rest is fine so it's not like you have to like classical music full stop or not so i would say if you want to want to like classical music i would recommend trying many different pieces try many different composers you know because there's actually composers that i prefer over others you know if you really want to try a bombastic piece listen to Mahler m-a-h-l-e-r the planets from holst is another great one to try at first i think it's accessible feels almost like a movie soundtrack so just try lots of different composers lots of different works to try and find something you like and don't think you have to like it all See, see, I'm one of those basic people who I enjoy classical music. Yeah, yeah. And I uh, see, but the, I don't have the words for it, right? I can't be like, yeah, that's the Allegro two oh, yeah, choir yeah, yeah. from you know, you know, I I can't sit here and just point out like, and they have so many strings in there, it's great. Like I, I you know, I'm not going to have that kind of conversation, but I do enjoy a lot of good, um, yeah, I like yeah. very bombastic pieces uh, with the the like I I, I am definitely going to fall back to more elemental pieces uh, that are like just yeah. loud and heavy and uh like uh, almost war tones those are always fun have you tried the planets no Holst? no Gustav Holst? you should try mars it's the first movement so the mars movement of the planets it is literally called the bringer of war i think you i think you'll enjoy it i do agree with you uh, interstellar oh, amazing interstellar. soundtrack i'm a fan of inception yes. the, oh, the whole have you ever heard the acapella version of that N- no but it sounds <laughs> that sounds intriguing yeah. it was a uh, it was a spoof but i'll put a link to this in the show notes towards the top oh, some guy basically did uh, a funny acapella rendition of the inception trailer it is brilliant and so i will put that in the show notes <laughs> i have been poking around apple music classical i want to get into more of the little lessons that they have in there yeah, those about are good. teaching you some of that language about how to actually like understand and listen to yeah. this music but i still think they need more carve outs address more modern stuff like give me more of that video yeah. game love like i love that they have so many video game soundtracks but they still need more dedicated sections for it that's where i listen to uh, or have learned from a lot of classical music. I mean, again, we've mentioned it before. If you grew up in America in the you know nineties, uh, you've probably spent a lot of time, heck, you know, before that, yes. uh, watching Looney Tunes, and uh, you get a lot of exposure through that. You know, maybe the Rabbit of Seville, right? So good, yeah, right? Like uh, introduces like here's the best of Looney Tunes, right? Like I don't know, just make it a little yeah. bit more approachable and give me a toggle that l- lets me not hear Beethoven every time I turn on my For You playlist, uh, yeah. and That's, uh, I will be very happy. I also have to say. I, I made a video about Apple Music Classical when it first came out, and I, I, I mentioned this one piece, and I will inflict it on the Apple Insider listeners. Do not, I repeat, do not go to Apple Music Classical and look up the piece Philomel, P-H-I-L-O-M-E-L, I think. You're going to tell them how to spell it and everything. Okay. Philomel by Milton Babbitt, B-A-B-B-I-T. Do not go listen to it. I will just say <laughs> classical music in the 20th century got hyper weird. And it's very strange. So just don't do it. Don't do it. Hmm. I'm just telling, I'm just warning everybody. Don't do it. I know everybody was very tempted to do it. They were on the edge. They were almost tapping their phones before I said it. They were going to listen to it, but don't do it. That's my warning. Well, the last, last thing before Google AO, I do want to mention Severance production uh, has been halted due to the writer strike. And I just want to say probably better to halt production than try to work through a writer strike because I don't know if you remember the show, Wes, but Heroes. Oh, no. I worship that show. I loved that show so much. I loved it. I loved it. And as soon and as the writer strike happened, that show bombed. It's so bad. I didn't know. So I didn't know about this. I was uh, going through nuclear power school and stuff in, in 2009, and the writer strike took place in 2008. So I was just now getting into I didn't have access to cable, right. you know, through my teenage years or anything. So I was just getting introduced to Netflix and Hulu and it's like finding these shows. And it's like, oh, Heroes, that's great. Season one and two, love it. I didn't know this happened. So once I got to like season four or five and, and then that, yes. you know, very sad, atrocious yeah. season six, I didn't know. I didn't I didn't know that that was coming that they just kind of like winged yeah. it and said all right no writers just go kind bad. of do what you want and they tried to save it with that reboot i don't know if you ever watched it 
It was fine. It was fine, but But, that first and second season of Heroes, though. It was such a promising show. So good. So good. I I loved it. Maybe maybe it was the second season that started dropping off. I forget. But that first season, I know especially, was amazing. No, yeah, the first few seasons were great, and then it just fell off a cliff. So the writer's strike, I I find this whole event interesting. I wanted to point out, so uh, do you know Adam Conover? Uh, Adam Ruins Everything? It sounds familiar, but I don't know if I've ever seen it. All right, it's it's old, uh, he was originally, I believe, called Humor-esque YouTube, and then he got picked up by uh, one of those like IGTV things, got his own TV show. His whole thing is, he has a team of writers, let me point out, but his whole stick is that he introduces concepts like, uh, wedding rings and marriage and like uh, where they come from and what why they actually exist and how they work and whatnot okay like so he ruins gotcha. uh, concepts that we're familiar with he had a comment about you know severance uh, i thought was interesting on twitter and uh, I, I wanted to reply and i was like i don't want to reply guys and i don't want to i'm not going after adam conover this isn't like his fault i i agree you know pay the writers right pay the writers hey apple no more episodes of your hit show about workers using collective action to fight back against an exploitative tech company until you give your real life workers a fair deal. Thank you to the Teamsters and crew who honored our picket line. And then he talks about the Severance production shutting down. So, so I mean, I th- I think it's interesting that Severance is shutting down, but I did want to point out that Apple has nothing to do with paying right. those people. I a little inside baseball. I just found this interesting, and I wanted to. That's why I wanted to bring it up. Is um, if you didn't know, Apple TV Plus ser- streaming is two different things. There's Apple Studios Productions, which that's when Apple has money, goes and pays directors to hire actors and make things. Very specific content on Apple TV Plus that is actually Apple made. Most of it, they bought. They ordered. It was already made. It was sitting on a drafting room table, and they're like, who's going to distribute this? And I believe Severance was actually... Uh, it's Ben Stiller's baby. It came out of his right. production company. And there's like another, there's like two different production companies involved. They're the ones paying the writers. I just, I don't know. I just, I know that's all semantics and it's silly. And Apple has a billion dollars, just throw money at the problem and make it go away. But I just find that even guy who ruins everything, guy can get stuff yeah. like this wrong. That's and uh, the, the writers guild strike, I hope gets resolved soon because there's so much yeah. writing on it. I believe the stuff that's coming out this year is safe. I think it's all filmed in the can, done. But we're talking about next year's seasons. And that's, uh, the morning show got renewed for season four. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen with that? <laughs> season two of Severance. I'm hoping it comes back, though. I'm just hoping it comes back. Oh, Severance is such a perfect show. Yeah. It was really good. And that the season finale was amazing. It needs to come back. We need to talk about Google I.O. very briefly. And I want to compare and contrast to looking forward to WWDC. I thought it was very interesting. I watched the whole keynote. Google I.O., Sundar Pichai, literally right at the top saying Google is an AI first company. They said the word AI. We have an article over 100 times during its two-hour keynote. So there's a couple of numbers floating around. Um, I saw one count at around 113. Uh, that was just asking, I think they just straight up asked uh, ChatGPT or Google Bard, uh, one of those, said, how many times did Google say yeah. it? I think Ian Zelbo did a full transcript pull and just right. searched for the word AI, and he got like 148. He said it a lot. It, I mean, and, and watching the keynote, I mean, a, a vast, vast majority was talking about AI features, AI features coming to Android and things like photos and all of that. Before we kind of rail on maybe a couple things Google did, I do want to give them credit. They talked about a feature called like photo verification. And basically they were talking about their initiative with the rise of AI content, AI generated imagery. Watermarking. Uh, Yeah, they talked about watermarking, but also like, let's say you see a photo of a staged moon landing and everyone is sharing it and it is being purported as, whoa, look at this. It actually is a conspiracy. Google is working to when that picture shows up on your device, on your screen, wherever, if it's in a Google search, that they will bring context to that photo, surface all the other times that images appeared on the internet, which you could even do for a long time. Like if you went to google.com slash images, you could upload a photo and Google will show you that photo in other places or show you similar ones. So like, but now it's just a more powerful kind of verification tool. And Google will hopefully be able to surface enough context for you to like read articles about this photo, see like fact-checking websites, what they have said about it. And so it seems like as much as they are pushing into AI and it can do incredible things, don't get me wrong, that they are also trying to work in the safeguards when it comes to 
verification and validity and all that. So want to give them at least credit there. Yeah, these are very interesting tools. I do like like uh, the safety stuff. Yeah. If you consume regular news, there's a lot of issues with people having an agenda that they want to fulfill and then grabbing like a photo of starving people fighting over food in the streets from like 1980 and saying that this is right. happening yesterday in, in, in Chicago, right? And and you can, and yeah, that happens a lot. The thing is they, they don't expect anyone to do the due diligence because most people don't re- read past the headline yeah. and the photo. They just see that and they're like, wow, this is happening. This is crazy and share it. That's what they're hoping for because they want to create that chaos. Yeah. It, it feeds their algorithms. I followed this guy on, on TikTok quickly and, and he talks about kind of ancient history or whatever. And I saw one the other day because he was commenting on another creator's video who was like, the Euphrates River is drying up and it means this because it was predicted whatever. And he literally takes the photo and he's like, actually, this is a stock photo from this website. You can find the link in the description. Right. And that's what Google is basically going to try and work in that kind of. If we can have more tools like that available to the regular person oh, to give everyone goodness. the power to say, no, this is wrong. That'd be wonderful. Again, Google, though, being the controlling entity. So we have to be careful, too, that Google isn't wrong. But it is it is nice. <laughs> that, is, that is one of the things when th- these tools exist. Right. And one of the wild things is it showed what AI is going to do to Google search, which mm-hmm. search is still at this moment. A huge part of traffic to websites and how people get to places is search. And they showed basically when you search in Google now, you know, imagine longer text queries, longer search queries, and Google is going to have AI generated results at the top. If you're asking a question, Google might just try to straight up answer the question and not have to send you to any website. They showed they might reference websites on the side in kind of small thumbnail images, but that AI generated content is maybe just going to tell you what you're looking for. While this may be good for finding the answers to something like Mm -hmm. where is this actress from or where were they born? This changes the internet. It changes the internet because you're not going to be going to search to go to a website. You're going to be going to Google search to just get the information you want and leave. And I think that is a vast change in how the internet has worked till today. And as creators of things, I mean, Apple Insider, the articles there, you know, if, if someone is searching what's the new camera features on the iPhone 15, up until this point, there was a good chance you would see an Apple Insider article up at the top of the search results talking about the iPhone 15 camera. Well, come these changes to Google search, if you were to do that, you might just see Google answer the question, Apple Insider be a small reference off to the side. Like a subscript, yeah, like at the bottom. With, yeah, the script, but and visitors would have no reason to really click over and go to it. And so this is definitely going to change I think internet traffic and economy for websites like Apple Insider and all the others or anyone who's trying to get someone to visit their website, this is going to make it, I think, a bigger ask to have someone go to your website. It's going to change the internet economy. Right. And I think Google will have to place some responsibility there. Like, will they kick back some, uh, you know, money or some sort of like click love, I guess, of saying, <laughs> right. if you if you get a result from this website, push that website up in, a, in the trusted category, or right. did you find this information helpful? This is the article, or don't make it a footnote, just say Apple Insider says, and then have a link to the article. There's, there's yeah. ways that this could work, but sadly, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Google just wants to be the internet at this point, and uh, that's what we're fighting against. Right, and, and that's why I'm very curious what Apple announces at WWDC next month, especially when it comes to Siri and search, because even now, Apple does try to steer you away from Google search in many ways. If you click search on the home screen of your iPhone or swipe down and click a search term, let's say you're searching for Denzel Washington, the first thing at the very top of your screen is going to be the Wikipedia article, and Apple wants to take you there directly. You know, your iPhone and Apple does not want you to click search, not that they make it difficult, but they're really trying to figure out what you're looking for and just offer that at the top. And I'm curious if they're going to add more features like that into iOS and iPadOS that will just guide you past the search engine to the results you're actually looking for. That's going to be a war we're going to be fighting moving forward. I mean, already I have my default search engine to DuckDuckGo. Mm. If I say search web or use the Safari address bar and just type in a query, it goes to DuckDuckGo. Siri by default uses Google. You can't change that. That's just Siri. But Siri has its own identifier. So any search you make through Siri, uh, Google doesn't know that you made it. It only knows that Siri made it. So like there's already work around that. But I think problem we're facing here is that if Google 
Google removes revenue opportunities from websites like Apple Insider to continue to exist and our publications drop off because now these niche uh, informative tech websites and, and micro blogs and all these things can no longer fund themselves because no one's clicking on their links. There's no more information on the web. And now Google's scraper bots trying to find all this information will no longer have access to information, right? It's, it's a snake eating its own tail. We need each other. Uh, well, unless you could tell Google Bard or ChatGPT to scrape the Apple Newsroom articles and create content right. that is Google's first party content or whatever. And that is what shows up. And, that, well, there, and there's potential for that too. Like, uh, don't get me wrong. Like that, that is a danger we face if, if only because you can now, there's a, there's an app called Artifact that it's an RSS reader uh, news um, where it just pulls in news websites and it has little chat GPT bots in it. And it, you can say, summarize this article. So you, it'll open the webpage, but then it'll summarize in a paragraph so you don't have to actually stay on the website and read it. And that's removing eyeballs and clicks from that website. Right. These tools already are inflicting an immediate danger on the future of the web economy. And that's why you're going to probably see in the next six months a lot more newsletters, a lot more uh, pay me directly for information type stuff, a lot more paywalls because... Yeah. Google is taking away or will be taking away people's ability to make money uh, through clicks, which is sadly where we got because of Google. And now they're pulling out <laughs> right. the rug from under that us. Is, right? So true. this is an, this is an interesting problem to have. I mean, I am a, I'm a person who uses content blockers. You know, I understand the problem, the problem that advertising has become on the web. I understand that pop-ups yeah. asking for newsletter signups and stuff. They're all terrible. We need a new web, but Google trying to become the web, I don't think is the answer. And I think monetization opportunities need to be in innovated upon yeah. soon and fast yes. or else we're going to see disaster very soon. Two, two closing statements. I'm going to like, you could choose what you want to focus on, but I'm going to go just high level of my thoughts. And then I'll turn it over to you. Uh, Google subtweeted Apple again with RCS and messaging. I'll let you decide if you want to talk about that later. The Google pixel tablet, $500 tablet with a stand. Actually, Google's giving you the stand. I just want to say I would love for Apple to make a little stand like that for like iPad mini, like could be like a home device. Anyway, Google Pixel Fold. I don't think foldable phones are it. I think they're going to go the way of 3D TV. But all of that to say, I'm very curious how WWDC is going to go. I think that Apple is going to avoid saying the words AI and instead going to say machine learning a hundred times because they've used that in past keynotes and past events. They talk about machine learning when it comes to Siri when it comes to maps, when it comes to all of that kind of predictive technology. And I am curious if there will be any kind of features that while Apple will say machine learning or they'll say this and that, that they're really kind of that AI feeling thing. And just a, a couple examples, because I, I've just been thinking about this a lot, seeing that everything Google is doing, which is genuinely impressive when it comes to AI and all these different features. Imagine a world where you had a pages document open and you typed up a couple bullet points for maybe it's a blog post, maybe it's a presentation, and you can just select that text. And then Siri pops up as your virtual assistant, your virtual AI assistant, and you just tell it, make a keynote slide out of these bullet points. Or here's a few photos and a few, a few pieces of information, make me a keynote presentation. And then from there, you can say, make me a pie graph based on these data points. Or if you have a number spreadsheet and you have data, you know, you can make charts now and it's fairly easy. But for some people, it can be a little cumbersome and confusing. It would be amazing if you could just take a table, say, ask Siri, and it just makes a chart out of that. Shortcuts. It would be amazing if there could be kind of like an AI predictive helping you finish your shortcuts. And there is some of that, you know, shortcuts will offer new steps. But it, think about it everywhere from there to Xcode, helping someone code to Final Cut. Imagine if you had that keynote presentation, but you want to be able to show it in an animated way for a video side. If you could tell Keynote, make this animated slide, you know, uh, you know, turn it into a, a visually appealing animation for Final Cut, send it over, and it's all there. I mean, all the different apps that Apple has to work with using this kind of generative AI technology across these different apps, I think it could be really powerful. I don't think we're going to see a lot of it at WWDC, but I am hopeful, and uh, I'm hoping Apple has some kind of response to all of this. Right. So I could do a whole show on Google I.O. Yeah, there, there's, a there's a lot here. Go back to my tweets on Wednesday if you want to see how I really feel. 
couple things and doubling down on my attitude here. These are tools. They're not the end result. They're not replacing us. Don't let the fear mongering get carried away. They will replace some things, but they will create new things. That kind of mentality tools and that, and Google really exemplified the fact that these are not our AI overlords that are going to enslave humanity. They're just nice new paintbrushes that we get to use that make things a little bit easier, a little bit faster. Yeah. And I could see Apple implementing these in very similar ways that Google did. I don't, I still don't think we're going to get some sort of chatbot clone. Siri might get more conversational. There might be tools within pages and keynote. That's all going to be there, but we'll see how Apple implements it. It's going to be interesting going forward to see if Apple puts a marker down and says, we're going to make our own large language model that's more private, more safe and secure. Or if they're just going to say, you know what? Everyone's making it. We'll just let them make it and we'll implement it where we can borrow from Bing's book or something and say, let pay open AI to insert it in random places in Mac OS or something. But um, I did want to point out the photo system stuff that they announced. I've been doing a lot more forward looking kind of writing and I wrote about I put the link in the show notes. I wrote about the future of photography and how it's going to divulge, uh, di- not divulge, but uh, diverge, diverge uh, between Apple and Android. Yeah. Uh, and Android's going to slow. We saw this with Samsung early in the year with the moon photos. <laughs> We're going to see AI. Quote, oh gosh, I hate that phrase. AI first uh, photography where making the photos better uh, as a rather than realistic as as their approach and let's make that memory better oh yeah get rid of the cloudy skies remove that person in the background uh get rid of that old uh fire hydrant you don't want that there uh add balloons there should be more balloons that that it should be up just increase the number of balloons uh, until that kid floats away uh you know what that kid's bad you don't like that kid just put a whole new kid in there right and like and and artificially just changing you know what you always wanted a kid with red hair change that kid's hair red it's fine make your memories whatever you want them to be and i do think you know while it sounds like ideal make every picture look the best it can be i will say you know my dad passed last year going through old photos where he was just in the background Mm -hmm. it wasn't a picture of him at all but he's just in the background or looking at old photos from my college days and just seeing what's on the bookshelves in the back and seeing, right. you know, just the things of the time. I have a picture from the house I grew up in and it was of Christmas morning and the picture is about the tree or whatever. But in the background, I could see our entertainment center and the I can stuff. I can hear the emails now. Right. So it's not about Photoshop. Right. Like no. there's that. I love one of one of my favorite stupid YouTube videos from 100 years ago. I think College Humor did it where uh, they're like, you'll never guess what happens. And they reverse Photoshop a woman on the cover of a magazine into a pepperoni pizza. (laughs) It's it's amazing. I I don't know. Just you can find it, I'm sure, with just a keyword search. Yeah, yeah, Photoshop has been a thing for a very long time. We can alter what photos are. And there is a purpose to that. We can create artistic representations that are beautiful, magazine-oriented, like amazing pictures. I don't think that should go away. And I think AI can help. Oh, God, I'm saying it too. I I think that these tools can help improve at that and increase the speed of that and produce more beautiful, amazing content with less effort. That's all great. But leave some messiness to your memories. Mm. That's what life is. It's a mess. And, you know, you, you can't have everything be perfect. And you can... You might want that Instagram moment of like, yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't actually a hurricane in Florida when I went. See, look, I I, I took away the hurricane <laughs> in the background uh, and yeah. made it just these beautiful waves on a on a sunny beach. That's great. I get the desire to want that, but in the future, you will look back and regret not having actual access to that information, to that actual memory. And I'm glad that these tools are still optional. Right. But I'm telling you. It, there's going to be a time when there's going to eventually it'll be a pop-up and says, do you want Google magic editor to make this photo better for you? And that this is what it could look like. And it'll show you an option and you say yes. And that other photo has gone forever with one click of a button. Yeah. That destructive. Like, that's where we're heading. Yeah. That's where we're heading. I hope that Apple continues down the realism front of these are your memories. These are your photos. And we're giving you what came off the sensor. They might juice up some saturation. They might denoise. They might do some things to make the photo better in in those terms, but they're not changing the aspects of the photo. And I think that's what's the important distinction here. Yeah. HDR the sky. 
don't remove the people. <laughs> right. Don't change the sky. Don't move. Don't make this a photo on Mars suddenly. <laughs> right. Uh, the RCS thing is silly. We've written about it ad nauseum. It hasn't really changed in the last six months. Google just, it's your problem. Like you, you got to fix it, man. Like it's Apple will implement RCS. I, I, I trust that they will when it's ready. RCS is still not ready. Uh, go read about that. The Google pixel tablet. I will pay Apple stupid amounts of money for a speaker dock for my ipad pro yeah uh just apple make it happen make make a home pod with a screen do something yes. in that category i would love it a foldable eh that's fine the crease is still visible <laughs> it's bad it's still i would buy one so i can emulate a nintendo ds and honestly a nintendo ds would probably still be better <laughs> it's fine I, we'll, we'll see if apple ever does one i think the fad is dying i think google yeah. is pulling a samsung here and they heard all the chatter around it and apple could be making a foldable and they're like we got to get out there first and then congratulations you got out there first and a race that apple isn't even participating in. so we'll see what happens um but yeah google io very interesting stuff i'm just going to start my own google podcast and talk about it there so. <laughs> just, just rant no that's good listeners let us know what you think apple might do ai wise at wwdc or what you think of final cut pro coming to ipad you can tweet or mastodon wes and myself all those links are in the show notes thanks again for tuning in we'll catch you next time Thank you.